have uh, the pleasure this morning of uh, being with author uh, James uh, Barron. He's a local author here in uh, Newton, Massachusetts, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, good morning, Mr. Barron. Thank you for your time. Good, good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it is a great pleasure we're talking with you today because uh, you wrote an amazing book called The Greek Connection. And it's the story of uh, Mr. Elias Dimitrakopoulos, a fascinating character. But first of all, I would like to ask you, on behalf of our audience, how uh, an author, a lawyer, uh, you have been teaching in MIT and Harvard uh, with uh, about politics, but how uh, this book, uh, what was the inspirations of you writing this amazing uh, and very well uh, received uh, book uh, called The Greek Connection? What was the inspiration? The, the inspiration uh, was serendipity. Uh, the making of the Greek Connection really began in a suburban Boston emergency room uh, in 2007. Uh, I, I'd rushed there uh, to, to the wealthy hospital by ambulance, and the doctors and nurses were struggling to try to control my symptoms. Uh, and I was sure that that was my, my end. Uh, the, and, but to quell my fear, I sought a place of calm, you know, looking kind of far from the commotion around me. Uh, so I pictured myself on an idyllic summer morning in 1966 at a small taverna uh, on Mykonos uh, with all of my senses alive, uh, eating succulent figs, you know, freshly baked bread and honey, listening to the bells of donkeys ambling down the hillside, and feeling the warmth of the glorious Greek sun on my back. The, the ER stabilized uh, me and discharged me after discovering it was just a terrible reaction to some medication. Uh, I, for months afterward, I, I tried to understand why at that perilous time my mind took me there. I mean, I mean uh, I, I've been fortunate you know, to travel to much of the world, but, but why Greece at, at that point of peril in my life? I had fallen in love with Greece uh, when I spent much of my post-college graduation summer there and met people who introduced me to the complexities of Greek politics. I was fascinated by stories about the mysterious Tom Pappas, the Greek-American later described as the bagman for, for an illegal transfer of foreign funds to the Nixon campaign in 1968 and identified on the Watergate tapes in 1973 as the Greek-bearing gifts. Uh, when I wasn't working, I toyed at the idea of writing a novel set in Greece uh, and embarked on hours of background research. My brother... Did you, sorry, to, but sure. did you no. always wanted, was your inspiration to write a novel about, um, or it was to write fiction? It, it, it was initially, I, was, I thought of writing a, a, a novel. It was to do fiction, uh, which I haven't done since high school. Uh, my, my brother, who's a successful writer... Um, producer in Hollywood and with the BBC, encouraged me to learn story plotting by reading mysteries set in foreign locations. I, I even tracked down a girlfriend from that time who's now a psychotherapist in Geneva, uh, and she was game to help me fictionalize our experiences, including stories I learned that summer about Tom Pappas, for whom uh, her father had worked. Uh, I mean, back then, I just knew of Pappas as a controversial and powerful uh, Kumbaros. 
who, whose name you know, received equal billing with Esso on, on gas stations around the country. I mean, I learned the, the term uh, fekalaki, you know, the little envelopes of cash, uh, and rusfeti, you know, political favors that helped him get what he wanted. Uh, and it didn't take me long to figure out that I'm much more comfortable writing nonfiction. I'm an attorney. Uh, I've done law review articles. I've done a journalist. I do you know, uh, investigative pieces. I, I don't write fiction. So I set about writing a serious article on Pappas. Then serendipitously, in, in mid-2009, uh, I was at a dinner following a fundraiser for the New England Center for Investigative Reporting, of which I was a founding board member. And I told our guest speaker, the legendary investigative reporter, Cy Hirsch, about my project. He recommended that I don't write about Pappas, uh, but I focus instead on Greek journalist Elias Demokratopoulos, the person who had tried unsuccessfully to expose Pappas' money laundering activities in 1968. I flew to Washington to meet Elias and quickly realized that the Watergate-related bombshell was just a small part of his larger, even more compelling life story. Yeah, he was uh, he was quite a, a character. And uh, if you can um, uh, briefly tell us uh, a little bit about uh, you know how he came to America, how he he left Greece, how he came to America, and then how he became such a unknown but central figure of the Watergate scandal. All right. But if, if I may, just share with your, your listeners uh, one little piece of his background, uh, a flavor of who he is or, or was, uh, that in 1941, as a precocious 12-year-old uh, in, in, in Nazi-occupied Athens, uh, he became a resistance fighter. Uh, and was doing intelligence gathering and sabotage. He was captured by the Germans. He was tortured. He was imprisoned and sentenced to death. Uh, his life was miraculously spared by the intervention of Archbishop Tomaskinos, who got him moved to a mental hospital for the last year of the war. And he survived uh, you know, that. And then during the Civil War, he was shot while trying to save relatives who had been kidnapped by the communists. He then develops uh, near-fatal tuberculosis, incubated during the time that he was in, incub incarcerated, and he became engrossed in the career and assassination of the CBS correspondent George Polk. Uh, if you remember, he was the fearless reporter who was comfortable criticizing all sides if the facts warranted it. Uh, and Elias became a fiercely independent, uh, enigmatic, scoop-hungry journalist. He, he wanted scoops. Uh, and he covered American affairs in Greece in the 50s, uh, and he gained access to powerful figures inside and outside both governments. Uh, and after the Greek dictatorship seized power in, in 1967, he first went into hiding. Uh, but then he didn't, when he came out, he didn't keep quiet his opposition. And with the help of the United Nations, he narrowly escaped to Washington, uh, where for seven years he led the fight to restore democracy in his homeland, challenging both Democratic and Republican administrations. Uh, I mean, the, the CIA, the FBI, the State Department relentlessly spied on him, and they harassed him, uh, and they tried to destroy his reputation and effectiveness. The Greek government... Did he work, even, uh, did, did he work as a journalist in, uh, in uh, the Washington? 
he, he for years he was a journalist in Washington, back and forth. Uh, I mean, he he came over uh, first in in 1951. Uh, as a journalist, uh, and at that time, the, the, the CIA even tried to recruit him, uh, but he, he said no. Uh, but he went back and forth uh, for a number of years uh, doing interviews with people. He liked to get exclusive interviews uh, that other reporters didn't have, uh, and so he did that during the 50s uh, and into the 60s. And it, But when he came over in 1967, he wasn't in a position to be a journalist because he couldn't be right re- reporting from Greece, uh, and it, it just became – he became to the United States as an advocate. He came as someone who was the same way that he felt he, he was going to commit himself as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy against the Nazis uh, who had occupied his homeland, that – In 1967, he felt the way to fight the junta was not from Athens, but to get away and get to Washington, where he thought being influential there might be able to do something uh, to to help free Greece from the dictatorship. And and how did he become so much involved uh, in the Watergate uh, scandal? Uh, It's it's an interesting story. There are two parts of that. Uh, because it's really a pre-Watergate uh, part, and that in, in 1968, he was the person who uncovered an illegal transfer of money uh, from Keep, uh, the Greek version of the CIA, uh, to uh, the Nixon campaign. And this, this was, and if you remember, in 1968, uh, that it was a very close election. It was the second closest election in the 20th century. The margin of victory was less than 1% of the vote, uh, and a fewer than 42,000 votes in only three states, far fewer than Biden in, 2000, uh, in 2020 or Trump in 2016 would have needed for college margins. Uh, and that if, if, if he, he tried to give the information to Larry O'Brien, who was head of the Democratic National Committee, who was Humphrey's uh, campaign manager, but he didn't he use the information. Uh, O'Brien didn't use the information. Uh, and you ended up having Nixon win by this small margin. And that Nixon, the Nixon people knew of fragments uh, about the, 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 the 68 disclosure. But in, in 1971, and, and, and his, Elias's disclosure caused uh, the Nixon people great anxiety. And then in 1971, Elias testified before the House Foreign Affairs Committee and included remarks against Tom Pappas and Pappas's support of the Greek dictatorship. And remember, Pappas is very close to, to, to Richard Nixon. Uh, the committee asked him to provide some information about Pappas, uh, and he said he would after that. And Elias received a call from one of Nixon's closest people uh, to invite him to, to lunch and to try to convince him not to submit the memorandum uh, with further criticism of Pappas. You know, he warned him, uh, lay off Pappas. You can catch a lot of trouble. Uh, you can be deported. It's not smart politics. You know Pappas is a friend of the president. Uh, and Elias didn't care. And he basically said, uh, that he would drop off the memorandum, and he did. Uh, and there was fallout from that and became concerned. And then Pappas himself uh, be, 
confronted Elias uh, at a at a restaurant when Elias was deep in conversation uh, with uh, Robert Novak, the the journalist. And Pappas said uh, he ranted at him. He, his, uh, he says, you know who I am. Don't mess with me. I can make big trouble you know, for anyone I want. I can have you investigated. I know the Wall Street firms you're working with. I'll make sure they know about you. You won't have a dime. I'll take away your livelihood. Uh, and Elias was going to get up uh, and go to the table after Pappas walked back. Uh, and Novak said uh, with a big smile, see, you're having an impact. You're doing your job. Uh, if he's that mad at you, you can be sure he's told the president and his people, get ready for their response. Uh, and, in fact, the FBI did come after his uh, employers, too, in some of his contracts he, he lost. Uh, and in Greece, meanwhile, the Greek secret police conducted similar inquiries in Athens to aid the State Department to build a case to have him deported. Uh, but Elias refused to back down, uh, and he continued to push. And in, in 1972, uh, before uh, the, I mean, the Nixon people thought they were confident that they could beat the Democrats, but they were very concerned that the story from 1968 and the illegal money from Tom Pappas could be a problem. Uh, and that became one of the reasons uh, this believed for the Watergate break-in, was to try to get the information that existed uh, in the files from Larry O'Brien in 1968. Wow. And, and what happened uh, to Elias uh, Dimitrakopoulos after all this? What are the later years of, of his life? Uh, it, it, he, he basically uh, continued, uh, I mean, that, that was, he was involved somewhat uh, with the Watergate-related activities, but he spent you know, time dealing with efforts to try to overturn the dictatorship. Uh, he got involved uh, in, in efforts to try to stop the Greek invasion of Cyprus. I mean, there's an interesting story that your listeners may be interested in. Uh, that where Elias went to William Fulbright, who was head of the Foreign Relations Committee, uh, before the Turkish invasion, and recommended that uh, the American government have the Sixth Fleet pay a visit to Cyprus, visiting ports that were in between Cyprus and Turkey, to be a barrier for any Turkish invasion. Uh, wow. And uh, he, he met uh, with Fulbright in his secret office in the Senate. Fulbright got on the phone and called Henry Kissinger uh, to suggest the idea, uh, and Kissinger said no. Very, very fascinating. Uh, the book is called uh, The Greek uh, Connection. Um, James uh, Barron wrote about it. Uh, thank you very much uh, for, uh, for that uh, book. Uh, I would like to close and asking you what are your thoughts about uh, modern Greece? Uh, this year is the 200 years uh, since the beginning of the modern uh, Greek state. Uh, what are uh, what are you thinking about uh, what's going on uh, right now in Greece? And uh, what are your plans? Are you planning to to visit uh, anytime soon? I, w I would love to visit. I would love to. I, I said my first visit uh, was in 1966. Uh, my, my latest visit uh, was in 2012. I, I welcome you know, opportunities to go there. I, I am a Phil Helene. Uh, my father uh, raised me uh, with a, 
uh, as, as a classic scholar teaching me, uh, you know, Homer, uh, by, by in, in the original Greek and teaching me the etymologies of English words through the Greek words. Uh, and the interesting thing is that thinking about uh, Elias and, and modern-day Greece uh, is that the book, in some ways, uh, is a is, is a testimony or a meditation on Philotimo. Uh, you know what Elias was told in Spartan is the highest of all virtues. You know pride and heritage of country, of community, of family and self. The duty to do good, even a personal sacrifice, and that relates to Greece today uh, with people. Uh, his mother had a different take on Philotimo. She talked about it doing the right thing even when nobody is watching you. Uh, and the interesting thing for Elias' story is that he was also a man of great ego. Uh, and so, yes, he had aspects of that, but he had his own version because I once asked him to, uh, you know, what was the most overrated virtue? And he said, modesty. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, uh, all for uh, James uh, Baron, uh, through Phil Helene, uh, thank you again for your work. Uh, the book is called The Greek uh, Connection. You can find it uh, in Amazon or any other place. And uh, again, uh, after all this uh, pandemic is over, and uh, we hope uh, to uh, have uh, spent uh, some time together in a nice uh, Greek taverna that will uh, calm you as it did call you in the emergency room. I, I, I will look forward to that, uh, either, either here with you or in Athens. Thank you very much. Again. Get-